listening to a Clovis Hills podcast. You're about to hear from one of our teaching pastors. I want to encourage you, go download the Clovis Hills app where you can listen to sermons, you can give, you can do the growth group questions. They're on there too. And you can study God's word together. God bless you guys and go be the church. Good morning, Clovis Hills. Glad you're with us. And uh, to the 10 of you that are in the room right now, good morning to you as well. And uh, man... I love hearing all the things that are going on at the church. I want to encourage you Wednesday, show up. If you live in the Central Valley, you live in this area, show up here at the North parking lot and uh, we're going to have food trucks. We've got five or six food trucks from 5 to 8 p.m. and people are just going to hang out and eat. It's a good time. Now, um, welcome to all of you that are joining us all over. There's, and, and I want to encourage you. You know, Pastor Mitch talked about it, but I would love to meet you. I would love, if you want to be part of the Zoom with the pastors, Part of, my favorite part of that little gathering is I get to hear your story, where you came from, and get to know you. That's an incredible thing. So I, if you're interested, get on the app, and you can sign up in the event section. It's great. Our 101 class, I love, I love that people are becoming members that don't even live here in Clovis. They're all over the world, and they're becoming members. And that's a good thing. So if you want to sign up for that, that's a 101 class on events, too. So um, all kinds of good stuff, but... I gotta let you know, if you, if you don't live in the Central Valley, right now, um, there is so, it is terrible. Our whole state, California, is on fire. And we need to pray for our firefighters and first responders and people like that. But the air in the Central Valley is so bad, like you walk outside and you think it's overcast, but it's just a thick haze of smoke day in and day out. And uh, my, when I, I moved here eight years ago, the valley gave my kids a gift. Uh, I didn't get it, but they gave, they, gave, they gave it to my kids and it's called asthma um, because the air is so bad here. They all got asthma and, they, and, and I remember they were like, hey, dad, how come like this doesn't affect you whatsoever? Like you're out jogging in the worst air ever. And we, you know, we can't even go outside. And um, I told them a little bit about my upbringing. They learned a little insight about me is I have very strong lungs. I don't know why, maybe it's genetic. Maybe it's because of the environment I was in. Um, you know, my, my dad was incredibly cheap. And, um, you know, we would go on these long car rides to like a soccer tournament, hour, hour and a half drive. And, um, you know, my mom would be like, Jim, turn on the air conditioner. I, you know, it's hot in here. And they'd be smoking with the windows up and, and I'd be in the back seat just suffering, breathing all this toxic air. And he'd go, Woman, have you heard, it costs way too much money to run the air conditioner. It takes gas out of the engine. Gas is 45 cents a gallon. We ain't doing that. You know, and yes, my dad did talk like the guy from Big Thunder Mountain at Disneyland. Hold on to your hats and glasses. This here's the wildest ride in the West. Yeah, he did sound like that. So anyways, um, he wouldn't turn on the AC and she wouldn't roll down the windows because it would mess her hairdo up, right? So I just had to suffer for like an hour in this smoke-filled car. And then I get out, I go play three soccer games, run up and down the field all afternoon, get back in the car that evening and drive home in the smoke. And I think what it did is, fortunately, it didn't give me secondhand smoke lung cancer. It made me strong so I can handle this valley air. So anyways, there's something about our systems though, right? It's a, it's a, um, a respiratory system. And if something goes wrong in one of, the, one of the places in our respiratory system, the light goes on. You start feeling pain. You start having trouble breathing. You start wheezing, wheezing and things like that. And we're wrapping up this series called Soul Food. And I've been talking about systems. And um, 
When a system's not working right, the light goes on. There's some kind of warning. We just know it's not working right. And we use the analogy of a, um, a reservoir system in a house, that you have multiple tanks, and each tank needs to have an equal amount of water in it to create pressure to send water to the house. And we ended up using this metaphor of the, the tanks being our soul. And our souls, if you look around our world right now, you look around our country right now, you look around our churches and, and us, and you look on social media, our souls are sick. We've got a low-grade anxiety we're all living with. We've got this kind of low-grade depression or this low-grade anger, and it just kind of, and it's, it's almost like a, a dark cloud falling behind us, and it's because our souls are sick. And um, we... Last week, we read from Ephesians chapter, or not Ephesians, Philippians chapter 2. And I touched on it. And we're going to go a little deeper into it today. And I'm going to read it again. And I would love it if you're able to, if you can stand in honor of God's word. And who am I fooling? If you're at home, you're not getting off your couch. But if you'd like to, you can stand. And the, the 10 of us in the room will stand in honor of God's word for you. It says here, this is Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 11. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort in his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having, this, this, the same, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, and being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that's above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is God's word. You may be seated. So, you know, th this passage, one of my favorite passages in the New Testament. And see, the church has been, di church is different all over the world. They meet differently all over the world. They gather differently. They've done it differently in different cultures. And um, when this letter was written by the Apostle Paul to the church at Philippi, the church was not a building. It was not a place where everyone gathered. The church was always, and it still is, a people. This is a building where the church used to gather. And one day, hopefully, we'll gather again. But... Really, the church is the people of God. And they would get in Philippi, they would gather in homes on a Sunday morning. See, Sunday back then was their Monday. It was their culture's Monday. And they would gather before work, before they started their day. They'd get there early. They would, um, they would take communion. They would physically take communion, eat the bread, drink the wine, and remember the gospel through communion, they would sing hymns and songs and spiritual songs, and they would sing the gospel over and over and over, 
right? That, that was another thing they would do. And then um, one of the church leaders, the shepherd of that house church, the pastor they would call it, would get up and take God's word, whether it was the Old Testament or maybe it was some of the, the writings of Paul or James, and they would share the gospel. And the whole church would gather in these homes around the gospel, and then they would go about their day and be the church, right? This is how it worked. And when Paul's writing Ephesians 2 to them, he actually, in this passage we just read, he's actually referencing what many scholars believe. He's referencing a song they would have sung in that church. It would have been very familiar to all of them. You know, Marlene and the band uh, do, do such a great job and they work so hard along with the tech people. And they, 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 they presented to us earlier a song um, and, and, it, and it's really one that, that's dear to me. As a matter of fact, many times every morning when I pray and I write out my prayers just so I can stay focused, I'll write it in a journal. One of the first things I say is, good morning, Father. It's your breath in my lungs. See, I'm reminded from that song that every day I live is a gift. And that the, the very breath I take is a gift from God. And that song, when, when she sang it this morning, I said, oh, this is perfect for my intro to this sermon because it's so familiar to me. I, I, I listen to it all the time. I sing it all the time. It, it's that. 40, 50 years from now, there'll be some young worship leader leading worship and some other pastor preaching. And I'll be in my 90s or up to 100, I'll be Hey, that one song, what is all this noise? What's this guy preaching? I don't understand him. I want to go back to that song. That's how it works. But Paul is referencing this song and he, he's saying in the song, it says, Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something he could use to adva his advantage see what many of us think is that like Jesus was more like Superman and he just put on when he became Jesus he was God in, in, in human flesh and he just put on his Clark Kent outfit but he had all the God powers and whenever he needed to do something he'd be like I'm, G I'm God that's not how it worked as a matter of fact what the Bible tells us is that when Jesus left the throne of heaven he put on all humanity and what that means is he put on he was limited. He couldn't just use God powers. As a matter of fact, he told us, he said it very clearly. Apart from the Father, I can do, come on, 10 people. Nothing. Apart from the Father, I can do nothing. He did not have his God powers when he was here on earth. And it says, Jesus being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something he could take advantage of. He had to be constantly connected to the Father. So, We in God's image, in the same way that God, I don't know if you realize this, the Bible describes God as this triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, but three entities. And for all eternity, God has been in community with Father, Son, Holy Spirit, always working together as one. And it, we've been made in that same image. So here, here's what I want you to understand is really there's three things in your outline. If you have your, your Clovis Hills app, make sure you pull out the outline. You can follow along that way. There's Bible study. There's growth group questions in there that you could do during the week. And um, there, there's three, three simple things. One, you were made for good works. You were made for community. And I'll talk about the third in a minute. But number one, you were made for good works. See, if the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are together in community and they've been doing this good work all throughout history, 
Here's, here's the crazy part. You're made in God's image. You were made for good works. Look what it says in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians 2 verse 10. I love this. It says, for we are God's handiwork. Think about that for a minute. We are his handiwork. Um, that, th- this morning at our eight o'clock service outdoors, I, I was talking to a guy and he, he uh, showed me a pen. He makes pens in his spare time. He has a career and he does his career, but when he comes home, he does woodworking. And he made this, it's beautiful, it's an elaborate pen and it had like a, like a bolt action on it, like a rifle and a brass and it was engraved and there was this deer on it. It was incredible. And I said, how long did this take you? He goes, oh, it took months. I worked on this every night when I get home from work and it's just, it's, you know, it's my passion. It's what I love to do. So Ephesians is saying, you are God's handiwork. And then it says this, it says, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So the word handiwork means is a Greek word. It's poema. It's where we get our word poem. So you're not just this little thing God made. You're this masterpiece he made is is what the the Bible's trying to uh, say to us. So we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And I want you to think about that. You were created by God to do good works. Before you were ever born, God knew you. God knew your life. He knew the things you were gonna struggle with. He knew the things you're ashamed of that are in your closet that no one knows about. He knew all the good things about you. He knew every hair on your head. And it says he created you for good works. And then it says this, which God prepared in advance. Before you were ever born, God had a mission for your life. God had purpose for your life. God had a way for you to live your life to become the person you were created by him to be. And it was prepared way before you were ever born, before you were ever thought of on this planet. God knew you. So number two is this. You're also made for community. See, in the book of Genesis, chapter, not two yet, guys, so don't put that one up. But in Genesis chapter one, um, it explains kind of how, how the universe was created. But it does it in a poem. It's in a poetic form. And it says in G- Genesis one, and God made, you know, the, the, the earth and it was good. And God made the, the sky and it was good. And God made the waters and it was good. And God made this and it was good. And it, and it's, it has this flow to it. He did this and it was good. He did this and it was good. He did this and it was good. And then he made Adam and it was good. And it said he rested on the seventh day and it was good. And everything was good. There was no sin in the world. There was no brokenness. There was no, um, you know, in the environment, the ecosystem was perfect. It was all right. Everything on the earth was right. It was good. God declared it good. But before sin ever happened, God looked at Adam And he realized this, and look what it says in Genesis 2.18. It says, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. He says, it's not good for man to be alone. And because God has always existed in community, he's always had relationship, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He knew that we humans need to exist in relationship. So so God made Eve and Adam and Eve were to be be in in that, that kind of community. And human beings need each other. I have a friend and uh, my, my friends, they adopted a child from Russia in the, um, in the, 
late 90s, early 2000s. And uh, the child rearing style in the orphanages at that time is they did not touch the children. They gave them a bottle. They didn't hold them. They didn't nurture them. They didn't do any of that. And their children came out as they grew and they were severely emotionally stunted. And this poor child really struggled for years and years and years. And um, to, to this day, to, to one degree or another, still struggles because you were created even from infancy to have human touch, to have voices spoken to you, to be loved and to love back. And when you don't have that, um, and the cement's wet up here as a little baby, the cement hardens and it's very difficult. And here's what I want you to know. Co COVID has really messed with that with us, hasn't it? Like social distancing was never meant to be. This is part of the struggle we have right now. Our community tank is empty. And, you know, give me, give me a shot of these three tanks, guys, real quick. So here, here, here's what I want you to understand. The way our souls were designed, it's a, it's, it's a system, right? And God has given you all the freedom you could ever want. And here's what I mean by that. Um, yeah, we live in a world that has, you know, we can go where we want. We can buy something with the touch of a button. We can read anything we want. Like the, 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 the world is our oyster. We can listen to any music we want. We can watch just about any movie we want. But even more than that, here's what I want you to understand. God made you ridiculously in charge of your life. You are ridiculously in charge of your life. You have to think about that. Um, you, you may not be able to dictate all the things that happen around you or to you. Sometimes those things happen. We can't control COVID, but you are ridiculously in, how, in charge of how you respond to those things, aren't you? You are ridiculously in charge of how you will treat other people. You are ridiculously in charge of yourself. And God has given your soul all this freedom. But the problem is in our culture, we're, we, we don't have a lot of meaning anymore. We try and fill it with things that aren't from God to bring meaning to our life. And we think like, oh, a job might give it to us. Or, oh, um, you know, having kids might give it to us. Or, oh, this hobby might give it to us. And nowadays... I honestly believe this, and I've heard sociologists talk about this, that in the 21st century in America today, politics has become the new religion. And it's a false religion. Because it, it, it's, you know, for years I've heard politicians talking about change, and this is the only change I ever got. They just take it from me. They're just vying for power. As one group blaming the other. And here's what I want you to understand. Our meaning tank is empty. And especially during COVID, our community tank is empty. And you are ridiculously in charge of the freedom you've been given. And it won't be until you open your community tank and you allow brothers and sisters and you enter into Christian community and you open your meaning tank. You know, the Bible says, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Sometimes we make the mistake that like, oh, to have meaning, we've got to do this one big thing. And it might be that just you serving people as you go about your day being the church is the thing that ultimately is going to fill this tank. And along the way, there will be big things. But for the most part, it's, it's the little bit every day. So you're made to be in community. And uh, I love what it says in Hebrews 10, uh, verse 24 and 25. 
See, it, sa it says this, it says, let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds. Right, you were created for good deeds. You were created to, to, for good works. And then it says, not giving up the habit of meeting together as some of you are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. So I, I want you to understand something. It just said, again, another writer of the New Testament says you were created for good works and to be in community, to make a habit of your life of always being around other Christians. Because as human beings, we all understand that we are creatures of our environment. And if like the, the baby that was in a crib in Russia and never coddled, never touched, never spoken to, became a creature of that environment, in the same way, you are a creature of that. And if you're, you know, you, you think Christian community is um, just watching church, there's far more to that. God has so much more for you. And it's until you open it and allow other Christians in your life and to be part of your life on a regular basis, you'll never obtain it. I'm all, we're always shocked, right? When our kids grow up in church, but... But I, I remind you, they spent K through 12 in a secular school six hours a day. And then they went off to a state university, which is like um, secularism on steroids. And then they're in college and they fall away from their faith. And we're like, what happened? You're always a product of your environment. That's my favorite part. My, I have friends that are like, oh, you're just a sheep. I'm like, are you kidding me? You went K through 12 through a state-sponsored secular school. Then you went four years of college through a state-sponsored secular school. And then you got your master's at a state-sponsored secular school. And, you're, and I'm the sheep? You think just like the school taught you to be. Guys, you are not a misfit if you don't believe in God. The misfits believe in him. The misfits follow Jesus. You have to understand that. See, you are a product of your environment. And here's how community works. It's not getting in a group for six weeks. The way community works is it happens throughout your life. It's something you dedicate your life to, that I'm always gonna be in Christian community. I've been in a million different Bible studies throughout my life. Some of them good, some of them bad. Being in community is like eating food. You have to do it on a regular basis or you die. It's soul food. See, many times... If I can get a shot of the tanks. We think like our spirituality is something that happens in one, one giant moment where it all gets poured in. But the truth of the matter is being a disciple of Jesus is a long obedience in the same direction. And we, we always want it to be instant. We want the pill that'll make us skinny, the book that will make us instantly smart. Uh, you know, when we need information, we can push a button and get it. We want everything quickly. But human, humans don't grow that way. As a matter of fact, you don't add 300 pounds by eating one piece of cheesecake. You add 300 pounds by eating 3,000 pieces of cheesecake. That's the way it works. It takes time to add. It takes time to lose. It takes time to grow your soul. And here's the thing. Throughout your life, it's being in community every week on a regular basis, coming to church, being in growth group, spending time with God, learning to pray, praying more, coming back to church, being in a growth group. And it's throughout your life, you're just little, God is just little deposits and it's meaning is community. And he's putting it in your freedom tank and you're in charge of it. And at any point you can decide to turn it off, but then you won't have equilibrium. 
But he's giving you that freedom, whether you can turn it on or off, on and off, on and off. And what I, I, I hope you understand is that being in community is, and finding meaning in Christ is just something you do every day. In some way, you're always connecting with people in the body of Christ. You're always around them because you will become who you hang around. In the COVID era, it's hard. I know. Um, I, I don't like Zoom. I don't like any of that, but I'm doing it. Friday night, I was with my growth group. We, we, did, we did it on Zoom. I hate doing it, but I did it. And here's what happened. At the end of it, I was so glad I was there. I was so glad I was part of it. There was such a rich discussion. We laughed. There was just good things going on. And there's times we meet together and it's not good. And it's like, eh, we had a group. But here's what I know. It's just like a meal. Sometimes I have bad meals, but it still nourishes me. And we need to stop looking for that one thing, that silver bullet that's gonna change everything because it doesn't work that way. It's a long obedience in the same direction when you follow Jesus. So I wanna encourage you, some of you, the best thing you could do right now is drop what you're doing, get on our app and hit the ministries button and join a growth group. Some of you, you don't live in the Central Valley. You could just start your own growth group. It's in, the questions are right there in the app and just invite some people. Hey, I'm, I wanna study the book of Philippians this week. Next week, we're starting a whole series through the book of First Peter. It'll be 12 weeks. And you could say, hey, I'm gonna study the book of First Peter and invite some people to do it. And then as you, you're, you, know, you guys are going through the questions, they're gonna start seeing insight that you got from the sermon. And you can be like, oh, hey, you should watch. I, I attend Clovis Hills online during the week and you should watch it too and you'll have something to contribute. And before you know it, you've got other people that are connecting around the scripture, around the gospel in the body of Christ. Anyone can do this. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to do it. Beginners can do it. So number three is this in the outline, guys, is you'll never find freedom until you surrender it though. You can, you're, you're ridiculously in charge of it and you could hoard it, but you'll never get, like it'll never work. You'll just hoard your freedom and you'll never have meaning, you'll never have community, and you'll never taste the living water of Jesus. You'll never be washed by the living water of Jesus because you've cut it off. And to become a disciple, it's a long process in the same direction. Now, here's what I want you to understand even more so, though. You were made for good works. You were made for community, right? Um, I, I, don't, I don't know if you realize this. God has always been in community, but God, believe it or not, wants to be in community with you. See, God wants to be your friend. Now, I know that sounds kind of light and floofy and like, I'm a friend of God. Wow, okay. Friends, right? You hear preachers do that sometimes. But I need you to, to really understand this. God really wants a relationship with you. You were created by God to have a relationship with him, believe it or not. And not like a, like a Facebook friend where you see them you know, once a year when it pops up that it's their birthday or, um, or a memory from many years ago pops up once a year. That, that's not the kind of relationship that God wants to have with you. God is dying to have a real relationship with you. What do you do when you have great friends is that you're always talking to them. Throughout your day, you're texting them. You're thinking about them. Oh my gosh, so-and-so would love this. Ah, you know, and, and, and here's what happens is, is if you will continue to follow Jesus and do that long obedience in the same direction, you'll learn to pray. You'll learn to pray without ceasing. You'll begin to have that relationship with God that you were created to have. And some of you, I, I want you to understand this. This illustration breaks down sometimes because you may not have like a real good friend. 
and you're lonely. It may break down in another way that, um, you know, the Bible talks about that, that God is our father and he wants a relationship with us as, as a child. And sometimes some of us have had bad relationships with our parents or you've had kids that are estranged. And if you're a parent, you know just how bad you want that relationship back. Or if you're, you're a child and, and you're missing a parental figure in your, in your life, just how bad you, you would love to have that back. You know, as my, my father got older and before he died, we became friends. And I would kill to have that conversation with him again. Here's what I want you to know. The Bible says this about all people. Our sin separated us from our father. Because of our sin, we can't have a relationship with God. And God knew that. This is the whole point of Philippians 2. God knew that. And that's why he sent Jesus to come. Being very nature, God did not consider equality with God something that he grasped. He lowered himself and became a servant. Died on a cross for your sin. The Bible says that, 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 that Jesus' death paid the penalty for, for, for my sin because I deserve separation from God for eternity. But God was so crazy about me, so crazy about you, that he came to rescue us. And the, Bible, the Bible says this, that whoever believes in him becomes a friend of God again. That, you, that Jesus forgives your sin and you get that connection with God that you were created to have. And you can try and find any other thing that you, you think might give you purpose in your life, might give you meaning, and it might for a moment and it's gone. But only God can. And see, Jesus, the Bible says, was a friend of sinners. Think about that. They, people used it as an insult to him because where, whenever they saw like prostitutes or lepers or tax collectors or Raider fans or whatever, he, he was always gravitated toward this. He wanted to be around them. And, 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 and here's, here's the thing, just as a father is longing for their child to come home, just as a child is longing for a relationship with, with, with a parent, in that same way, Jesus is dying. He's longing for a relationship with you. As a matter of fact, it says in the book of Revelation, I, I quote it all the time. In Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. But do you know what it says in the, in the first part of Revelation 3? It says that we are blind, pitiful, poor, naked. I'm just here to encourage you. That's who you are. And then it says, Jesus, the friend of sinners, stands at the door of your heart, that he's attracted to us. He wants a relationship with us. And it says in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock it. If anyone listens, I will come in. Why would you put that off? Why would you ever put that off? I want to give you an opportunity right now. Maybe you have a relationship with Jesus, but it's kind of become like a Facebook relationship. He's just a distant friend and every now and then you talk to him when you need something. He's a contact. This morning, the God of the universe wants you to know him and wants to know you. And for some of you, you've never even understood that concept and we're gonna pray in a minute and I'm gonna give you the opportunity to open the door of your heart and let Jesus come in and receive you. So, 
If you would, would you bow your heads and let's just pray right now.